Welcome to this episode of Planting Seeds. I'm Keith Jones, the preaching minister of Calera Church of Christ, and I've prepared a short message from Scripture that's intended to be the planting of a seed that, if cultivated, will in time produce fruit in the lives of the listeners. Now, let's get started. Shine upon you and be gracious and give you peace. In this episode, we'll continue our study of the Sermon on the Mount by looking at Matthew chapter 7, verses 1 through 14. If you have a Bible with you, follow along while I read. Judge not that you be not judged. For with the judgment you pronounce, you will be judged, and with the measure you use, it will be measured to you. Why do you see the speck in your brother's eye, but do not notice the log that is in your own eye? Or can you say to your brother, let me take the speck out of your eye when there is a log in your own eye? You hypocrite, first take the log out of your own eye, and then you will see clearly to take the speck out of your brother's eye. Uh, do not give dogs what is holy, and do not throw your pearls before pigs, lest they trample them underfoot and turn and attack you. Ask, and it will be given to you. Seek, and you will find. Knock, and it will be opened to you. For everyone who asks receives, and the one who seeks finds, and to the one who knocks it will be opened. Or which of you, if his son asks him for bread, will give him a stone? Or if he asks for a fish, will give him a serpent? If you then, who are evil, know how to give good gifts to your children, How much more will your Father who is in heaven give good things to those who ask Him? So, whatever you wish that others would do to you, do also to them, for this is the law and the prophets. Enter by the narrow gate, for the gate is wide and the way is easy that leads to destruction, and those who enter by it are many. For the gate is narrow and the way is hard that leads to life, and those who find it are few. As we've studied through the Sermon on the Mount, we've noticed that most of what Jesus has to say is directed at people who aren't seeing things properly. They don't have the proper perspective on themselves, on their interaction with God, and the way that they see the world around them. And this continues as we get to chapter 7. Jesus talks to his listeners about the ease with which so many of us can discount or diminish another human being, because they're behaving in ways that we think are improper. We may speak to them condescendingly or self-righteously and tell them they need to get their act together, or they need to stop sinning or they'll go to hell. We may choose to avoid them so that we don't have to deal with the things they are doing that offend us in some way. Let me be clear here. Jesus is not talking about making judgments about actions or behaviors. Scripture is full of examples where we are told to judge for ourselves whether something is good or bad, healthy or unhealthy, good or evil, and choose what is good. This passage is talking about when we have made a decision about what is good, forcing that on others who may not have chosen to live by the same standard we live by. Unfortunately, when we see people trapped in destructive behaviors, instead of being compassionate and helpful, 
we want to write them off or diminish them, even make a condemnation about their eternal state and, and say that they'll be going to hell. There's a problem with that, though. We're not God. We don't get to make those decisions. God does. What God has asked us to do is to be helpful to those who need him. But there are some people who don't want that help or don't want to live by our standard, and we have to accept that. Some may be thinking, but I thought that was the purpose of evangelism, to tell the people that who were doing bad things that they should stop doing bad things so they don't go to hell. There's a problem with that perspective. The good news of evangelism is that Jesus came to help those who need help. Until someone realizes they need help, until they're willing to see the doctor, there's nothing that the doctor can do for them, but it's the doctor who does the work. We just make the path clear and straight so that they can get to the doctor. It's not our job to fix them or browbeat them or or write them off in any way because we don't agree with the way they behave. I think one of the biggest issues we have in our society today is that too many Christians are trying to force non-Christian people to act like Christians while Christians themselves are not doing a very good job of following in the footsteps of Jesus. That's what Jesus is talking about here. You folks who are holy, who are righteous, those who want to be the favored people of God, how can you call yourself that when you're nitpicking those who have not decided to follow that standard? And you're putting them down and writing them off while you don't follow God's teaching yourself. That's why when we get to verse 6 and Jesus says, don't give dogs what is unholy and throw your pearls before swine, we need to make sure we understand he has not gone from do not judge to judge who the dogs are and who the pigs are and, and leave them alone. That's He's not calling us to judgment after telling us not to judge. What he's saying is there are people who have not committed to your way of life and to throw on them a, a standard of holiness that they don't accept is going to be useless. And it's actually going to come back and bite you because they're going to attack you because you don't live up to that standard yourself. It diminishes the kingdom's power and work for you to attack people outside the kingdom and try to force them to act like they're in the kingdom when that's not what they want. It is frustrating to see people doing things that we know were self-destructive, but it's their choice. If they're not seeking our advice and our guidance, if they're not wanting us to connect them to Jesus and ways of holiness, we have to wait until the Spirit works on their heart. Uh, until more seeds are sown and have been cultivated. We have to be patient because it is God who gives the increase, not us. And that's why we go into the next section. And Jesus says, ask and it will be given to you. Seek, knock, you will find. These things are the characteristics of people who are not the dogs or the pearls. See, in this story, we are the pigs We are the dogs unless we're willing to ask and seek and knock. God has given us everything that pertains to life and godliness, but he's not forced it on us. It's when we come to him in humble submission that we're able to learn and grow and be directed by him. We have to treat other people the way God has treated us. 
we can't write them off as useless because we don't like the way they're behaving right now. We look for ways to be helpful. Are we seeing these people as obstacles that get in our way of doing what we want, uh, of seeing what we want to see, or do we see them as opportunities to cultivate relationships that lead them closer to Christ? Are we people who go to God seeking and knocking and asking? Are we wanting what God has to give us, or are we trying to create our own gifts? We need to understand that God's gifts are best because they're the things that we need. They're the things that we need to make the most of this life and to be prepared for the next. It may not always be what we anticipated or what we thought we wanted. It may not always be our heart's desire, but the challenge given by Jesus here is to ask for the things that God wants you to have. Want those things, seek for them, and you will find them. And things will be better. And right after this, Jesus speaks that golden rule. Whatever you wish that others would do to you, do also to them. And we use that a lot when people are doing things to hurt us that we don't like. We tell them, you shouldn't do that to me. But understand the context that Jesus is saying this in. He's talking about judgment and a willingness for people to seek the Father and how we shouldn't condemn those folks But leave that to God. If they're not seeking after God, they'll have to answer to that. We don't try to force things on them because we don't like things forced on us. Treat people who are outside the kingdom of God with the same respect that you want to be treated with as someone living in the kingdom of God. I think this is very practical in our current circumstances. We live in a very secular society that very often doesn't want religious things mingled in with their day-to-day life. We can't force that on people. We can't make them be holy. We can't make them be Christians. But what we can do is live a Christian life in a way that makes it attractive to others. We can be salt and light that Jesus mentioned in chapter five and and make the things of God, something that people want and desire, things that they are drawn to. And in time, as the spirit of God works on their hearts and as they see the benefits of being Christian from those who are living the life the way God intends, people will be won over. They'll be attracted to that. They'll want to be a part of that. It happens in that way, Jesus lets us know, not by forcing people to behave a certain way. That's what the Pharisees of his day were doing, trying to force a behavior change without a heart change, getting people to act in godly ways without knowing very much about God and why it was in their best interest. We've got to get to a point where we stop trying to use the political system and rules and elected leaders to force people to do what we want them to do, to force them to act in godly ways, to make them live by God's law. We have to live out God's law in their presence so that they see the benefit and make that choice on their own. So Jesus ends up by saying, So you have a choice. There's a narrow gate and there's a wide gate. The wide gate is the easy way out, but it leads to destruction. 
And that's the way most people go. In any choice, they do what's easy. They see somebody they don't like, they write them off, they dismiss them, they kick them to the curb, and they move on to the next thing because that gets in my way. But that's what most people are doing. And that destroys uh, societies, it destroys families, it destroys individuals because you're always living in the moment doing what feels good right now without any view of the ripple effects on your future. Jesus says there is another way. It's tougher. Not everybody finds it. But taking advantage of the opportunities that God gives you will lead you on a path that leads to eternal life. The easy way out is void of opportunities to grow and to learn and to transform. Do we see the life God has called us to live as oppressive or constrictive, or do we see it for what it is, that opportunity to grow and learn and transform? Do we see the benefit of taking the road less traveled? Thank you for listening. You can find more of these messages on our website, calirachurchofchrist.org, or subscribe to the podcast on your favorite podcast app. You can also like us on Facebook and follow us on Twitter. Twitter.